because she thinks she is. That girl has tangled with the wrong man. Darn right. No one says no to Gaston. Dismissed. Rejected. Publicly humiliated. Why, it's more than I can bear. More beer? What for? Nothing helps. I'm disgraced. Who, you? Never. Gaston, you've got to pull yourself together. Gosh, it disturbs me to see you, Gaston, looking so down in the dumps. Every guy here loved to be you, Gaston, even when taking your lumps. There's no man in town as admired as you. You're everyone's favorite guy. Everyone's awed and inspired by you. And it's not very hard to see why. No one's slick as Gaston. No one's quick as Gaston. No one's next as incredibly thick as Gaston. For there's no man in town half as manly. Perfect, a pure paragon. You can ask any Tom, Dick, or Stanley, and they'll tell you whose team they'd prefer to be on. No one's been like Gaston, a kingpin like Gaston. No one's got a swell cleft in his chin like Gaston. As a specimen, yes, I'm intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> Give five hurrahs, give twelve hip hip. Gaston is the best, and the rest is all drips. Ow! In a wrestling match, nobody fights like Gaston. As you see, I've got biceps to spare. Not a bit of him, scraggly or scrawny. That's right. And every last inch of me's covered with hair. In a spitting match, nobody spits like Gaston. I'm especially good at expectorating. When I was a lad, I ate four dozen eggs every morning to help me get large. And now that I'm grown, I eat five dozen eggs, so I'm roughly the size of a bird.
If you think about this real quick, turning to Colossians 1 and 1 Peter 1, uh, and we're going to have uh, Corey and Tina come up too. Uh, if you think about the whole idea of, of the whole beauty and the beast, there's a, a beast, because he's different, is attacked. But what changes him is someone's selfless love, and that transforms him. And it's an incredible theme to have. But I have been so excited. I told you last week about this gorgeous little girl. This is Chloe Arabella, our miracle baby. And uh, isn't she gorgeous? Oh, get the cameras on her. Let's see here. And by the way, her uh, mom, Tina, I was told by your dad, was dedicated to the Lord wearing the same bonnet. So isn't that cute? Yeah, so. Anyway, this girl has just been covered in love and prayer like crazy. And today we get to dedicate her to the Lord. And Corey and Tina, I am so excited you let me do this today. And, and I know that every time you, oh gosh, look how gorgeous you are. Yeah. Every time you look at her, you see a sign how much God loves you guys too and her. Oh, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. Let's see if everybody can see you. Yeah, let's pray for her now. Father, we thank you that you have put your hands on Chloe Arabella, and she is an answer to prayer. And we thank you, Lord, for how gorgeous she is and wonderful she is and the blessing she is. And I know for Corey and Tina and all the rest of the family, God, this is just something they've craved and wanted, and you gave her as an incredible gift to them. So we pray that you would watch over her. We pray you'd cause her to be strong physically, mentally, socially, and, and God, that you would protect her in every single way. I pray one day she would fall deeply in love with you. And I pray that Corey and Tina would see her very unique personality, the spiritual gifts you're giving her, and they would guide her in the path that you have for her. So we thank you for this gorgeous little girl and the blessing she is. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh my gosh, she's cute. You are so welcome. Thank you, man. You're welcome. There you go. Okay, I want to make sure we don't, okay. All right, no dropping. All right. Um, let's pray. Father, I pray and ask that you would guide our time right now. And may it be a time where we understand how much you love us, how amazing it is to live life with you. And may we understand a huge part of that is a desire to be in the center of your will, walking beside you and not straying or, or moving into areas that could harm us. And so, Lord, we pray today you'd open our eyes to this amazing life and love. We would understand what it means to be in, in a, living in a relationship where we have the, the right kind of fear. But more than that, Lord, the embracing of your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, we're talking about level four living. And level four is where you're just sold out, all out to God. It's where you say the words, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And where you want to just say to God, I want to do whatever you'd want me to do and be whoever you'd want me to be. And when you live like that, you're going to be living the life you were made for and designed for. And it's the greatest life you could ever live. Uh, there may be tough times in it, but, but it's always incredible. And that's what God wants for you. 
Now, when we are that sold out to God, we should stand out. Jesus said, so let your light shine before men that they see your good works and glorify the Father who's in heaven. And so people ought to be able to see the difference, not because we're showing off, but because we're shining out, because we're burning brightly, uh, because we're everything God wants us to be. And you were made for that. You were made to stand out and not to fit into the world, but to be different. One of the ways we stand out most is by being holy. Now, now I want you to grab that because I think a lot of times we don't know what that means or, or, or most people, when they think of the idea of holy, they, they think of it as boring and, and, and boxed in. But the reality is the holy life is what you were made for and it actually creates more freedom, not less, more joy, not less. It causes amazing peace in your life. One reason you're not stressed out, one reason you're not tired and, and not wiped out is because you're living this holy lifestyle. And, and over a thousand times, over a thousand times in the Bible, the whole idea of holiness is addressed and God wants you to have it. Part of the problem we all face though is we tend to want to live life on the edge of doing the wrong thing. I mean, that's how we are. Uh, we like to get as close to the edge as possible. And for some reason, it's kind of like the, the, the devil when he was tempting Eve. He, he got her close to the tree. He had her standing by it. He had her looking at it. Well, you know, it was an easy just reach out and touch and grab. And he actually began to say to her, you know, has God really said this? And she got it in her head that God was cheating her out of something. And one of the reasons we go to the edge and look over is because we're always thinking, maybe we're missing out on something over here. But that's not true. Being dead sinner in the will of God and not living life on the edge of stepping into sin or things that are harmful or hurt you is the right way to live. But again, you know, we share in that desire just to kind of move over. Uh, think about if you're, a, if you're in your teenage years today, you can identify this now. But think back when you were a teenager for many of us. When you had a curfew, like let's say your curfew is 11 o'clock. Did you come home at 1030? No. Man, you were right on the edge, right? I know a guy, a friend of mine in high school, his parents made his curfew midnight. And they told him, we need to trust you. We need you in at midnight. Well, of course, he was later than midnight and he's driving towards his parents' house. He's betting money they're in bed. He thinks he can sneak in and get away with it. So as he turns down his streets, he turns, on the, turns off the lights of the car because his parents' bedroom's right there in the front of the house. And so he's got the lights off. Then as he gets closer, he decides, I'm going to turn off the engine and coast in. So he turns off the engine, not realizing the steering wheel is going to lock up. And, and his car goes, you and hits right into the wall, literally goes into his parents' bedroom. <laughs> now, nobody was hurt <laughs> from that. He got hurt late. No, uh, but why is it we want to live life on the edge? You know, and, and sometimes when you, you step over it, to be honest, it doesn't hurt a lot. I mean, there are things you could do you shouldn't do, and, and, and the bottom line is there isn't a great deal of pain on it. Like, for instance, eating too many calories. You know, I, I got to tell you, I've never, ever in my life sat with anybody and they looked at me and said, I just don't know how to tell you this. I, uh, I can't believe I did it. I mean, I look in the mirror and just wonder what kind of person I am. And I'm like, okay, get it out. What is it? <sighs> I had a second piece of chocolate cake. You know, you, you just don't really hear that a lot, right? But I have sat with people who uh, can't hardly live with themselves because they they committed sexual immorality. Uh, they, they 
young girl who says, I can't believe I did this with the guy and I said I wouldn't. Uh, the, the, the man who tells me I committed adultery and now my family's being destroyed. I mean, the consequences of that are pretty great. And God says, I don't want you to have that kind of heartache. I don't want you to have that kind of pain. This is a loving father saying, stay away from those kinds of things. And so when we talk about being a holy person, what we're talking about is a life that is just very, very different than the things that hurt and harm and destroy and maim and create wounds inside of us. And when you live that way, again, it's not... Not the life that binds you. It's the life that frees you. And in coming to Jesus and living with Jesus and saying no to those things, well, then people see us as different. Now, one of the things I found, and we're going to be in Colossians 1 and 1 Peter 1 in a second. Make sure you're there. One of the things I found is the vast majority of people who are not Christians, they know how we're supposed to act. Isn't that true? You get around a non-Christian and they look at you and they're like, well, I didn't think Christians did that. I didn't think Christians talked that way. I didn't think they had those attitudes. I didn't think they took those actions. Uh, Have you ever heard someone go, and they say they're a Christian. And you know why? Because people do get it. One time I was sitting in a Carl's Jr. discussing, uh, I think, the deepest possible questions I could with a guy who had not crossed the line of faith. He was searching. He had issues. He was wondering about it. Here, so I'm sitting with this student. and, And all of a sudden, man, this Carl's Jr., which is packed, went silent. Now, now, what is it that silenced the place? You ready? Uh, uh, a boy was running, and a man was walking, and he had a cup of, uh, uh, with Coke in it, and the kid hit him, and, and the Coke spilled out, and he cussed loud. Now, now you got to ask, why would that silence the place? Because he was a Catholic priest, wearing the collar and everything. Now, now don't you think that would silence you? And, and the kid who's not even a Christian looks and goes, I can't believe it. He's a priest. How could he do that? Now, by the way, if you've been a Christian very long, you should know this. God said when you became a follower of his, he made you a priest. We're a kingdom of priests. We're a family of priests. And, and, and he wants you to live that way. And, and when we don't, it, it's, it, 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 it speaks to the fact that maybe we don't know him. Certainly, we're not intimate with him. And we're not close to him. Uh, it was about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, I was golfing at Los Serranos with one of my best friends, and they put another man with us, and, and we thought, that's awesome, I love to meet new people, and sometimes I get to share Christ with them, and so we're out golfing, and, and I'm looking for an opening to say something to the sky about the Lord. Well, man, as, as the first two, two or three holes go on, this guy is just obviously, man, he is just saying things, and I'm like, oh, and he's kind of irritating, and I'm thinking, okay, he really needs Jesus, and we're looking at each other thinking he's got such bad attitude, and and saying, he's ruining our day, kind of, but I kept saying to my friend, you know, more than ever, God wants us with this guy, and I kept looking for the opening, and never came, and then finally, we're at this one hole, and he hits the ball, and it goes off, and, and he's already upset himself so much, you can't relax anyway, which ruins your golf game, and he grabs his club, and throws it, and cusses, and it hits a tree, and, and bends, and I looked at my friend, and I said, you know what, I don't care if I don't, I, that's, I'm not waiting for an easy opening, so I walked over to him, and I said, man, you got a temper, and he said, yeah, I got a temper, and I said, well, I got to be honest, I, I, that's one of my struggles, but do you know what helped me? And he goes, what? And I said, well, I, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And he goes, oh, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and I said, you could have fooled me. And, uh, 
I said, what church? I'm not going to tell you the church because you'd know it. Uh, and I said, I got to be honest, man. You seem like anything but a Christian. I mean, I just want to tell it to you straight. He goes, oh, you know, you can't judge me. I said, well, God will. And, uh, you know, uh, God has called for us to live different. And everybody knows it. God knows it. Our friends know it. Our family members know it. Your work people, friends, every, when you took that name Christ, there came an expectation that you would be loving, caring, that you would seek purity in your life, that you wouldn't lower yourself to, to things that would be harmful or mean or cruel or, 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 or gross and dirty, that you would stay away from those things. And God's great desire is that we would do that. Uh, in Colossians chapter 1, look what it says here, verse 22. Yet he, meaning Jesus, has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death. Now, in order to stop there, notice, here's the reason. It's not the only reason, but it's one of the main reasons why Jesus died on the cross. He died in order to. He called out to you to come into a relationship with him in order to. He, he wants to be intimate with you in order to. What is it? Look at, in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. By the way, that word holy there is where we get the word saint. Uh, it means set apart, special. Uh, it, it means to be sacred. He's, he wants you to live a sacred life, a sanctified life, a set apart life. Why? Because you're special to him. And he, he died on the cross, called for you to come to him in order for you to be holy and blameless. Uh, in Ephesians 5, 27, speaking of the church at large, it says that Jesus died that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she would be holy and blameless. That's the great desire God has for you, that you choose to live this lifestyle out, that you seek to. Now, real quickly, nobody in here is perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. As a matter of fact, a big part of being that holy person is being willing to admit that. But, but here's the thing. God has given you a power from the Spirit of God so that you do not have to sin. At the end of the book of Judas, is God is able to keep you from stumbling. Uh, we're told by Paul, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And God's great desire is for you to live this life that's freedom uh, and peace and joy and power and purity. And, and, and when you live that way, you shine brightly for the Lord. And God's great desire is for you to live that life. And it leads us into the very presence of God. Now, don't miss this. When we live a life where we're seeking that holiness and purity and we're actualizing it in our life, it takes us to a place where we really are experiencing God in a very clear and real way. If you're not experiencing him in a very clear way, this may be the issue. See, when Moses was trying to, to, to hide out in a, a desert setting and run from everything that God made him to be, God appeared to him in a burning bush. And when Moses walked up to see the bush, and, and all of a sudden now he's in the very presence of God. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 5, God said, Moses, Moses, stop. Take off the sandals from your feet, for you're standing on holy ground. Now, now notice that there had to be something taken off before he could experience God's presence. Uh, uh, God, at some point, may be whispering in your mind. He may be speaking in your heart. He may be bringing people into your life who say to you, Put this away. Get rid of it. Lay it aside. Because the very holy God who appeared to Moses wants to have you see and experience him. 
Jesus meant the words in Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 where he said this, Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Now, now, he wants you to see him, to experience his presence, to be aware of him, uh, and, and, and not to miss that. And, and so when you are experience this kind of holy lifestyle, well, you know what happens is you begin to, to sense his presence. You begin to tune into his voice. Uh, he begins to move in your heart. And, and you're like, you don't even, here's what I want to say. This is, and, and it's not, I'm not trying to be prideful. I just want to talk about the real Christian life. Uh, you don't doubt God at that point. Now, now, I'm not saying that if you have doubt that God doesn't love you or, or you're, you know, defiled or decrepit or, so don't take that that way. But you know, a lot of times I'm talking with people and they're going, okay, I'm a Christian, but at times I struggle with these doubts. Well, when you're in a real experiential relationship with God, the doubts go away. It's the best way to get rid of them. Just get close to God. And how do you get close to him? Well, you got to live the holy life. You know, I got to be honest, I, I haven't struggled with any doubt whatsoever that my wife Pam exists. Now, I really don't. I don't grab people and go, yeah, I'm struggling with this. I don't know if Pam's for real. You know, all I got to do is look at the credit card bill. I can see. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to pay for that one. Uh, but, you know, but, but, you know, and you go, well, of course you don't do that. Well, guess what? In the same way, and I, by the way, I want to challenge you on this. In the same way, when you begin to experience God, it just drives it away. Now, you might have doubts about yourself. You might have doubts about some other things, but not about his being real. That's why God tells us in the book of Hebrews that anybody who comes to him, to God, must believe that he is. And, and what happens is, is as you grow in this relationship, as you experience him, as you see him, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It changes everything. But to do that, you've got to seek this holiness that's there. And, and that's why in Romans 12, it says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Do that, which is your reasonable service to God. But First Peter chapter 1, look what he says here. First Peter 1. Therefore... Prepare your minds for action. Now grab this. How do, you, how do you begin to actualize holiness in your life? That's where we start. Prepare your minds for action. Now before we read the rest, I want to go back up to Romans 12 and notice what it says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you make sure you're a holy person? It starts in the mind. And you've got to prepare your mind and plan in your mind for action to be holy. It's an active choice you make. Now, now, I, in a few minutes, am going to tell you three words that if you take these three words to heart and you lock them in your mind and you practice saying them with integrity, it'll make such an impact in your life you can't believe it. For the better. Now, now I want you to know a lot of people it's, it don't know these three words uh, or don't use them. But I'm not kidding. I don't think I can oversell this. They're that important. And I can't give them to you yet, but I'm going to give it to you in a second. And I don't want you to miss it. But, but let's get ready for the three words by looking again at what Peter says. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. Now notice what he's going to say. But like the Holy One who called you, like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. In all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. It, it, it's got to be a total sold-out attitude. 
I want it with everything I have and every thought I have and every action I take and all the behavior I have. I want to be holy. And, and you want that too. And when you do, you end up living this amazing life where you experience God. But not only that, you shine out for him. You stand out. And, and, and it becomes incredible. Now, if you can, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. While you're turning there, there are two ways that we begin to actually and very practically grab a hold of holiness. Two things we need to do. And that's what Peter's talking about. Get your mind focused on this. Prepare your mind to actively have these two things be a part of who you are. Now, the first one is this. You got to have an attitude of being ready to run, to flee from anything that is not holy. In other words, you don't want to live your life on the edge about to step over. When you see it's there, you get away from it as fast as you can. In little sin, big sin, anything like that, you just run from it. And, and, and why, why does God want you to do it? Because he doesn't want you to get hurt. So God is saying, run, run. Um, it wasn't that long ago that I was happened to be home on a day that Pam had the kids, and I decided I wanted to cook. So I've got the, the oven fired up, and I'm going to bake this thing, and I'm all excited about it. And uh, so what happened is, is it's not the norm for the stove to be on. And Noah, who's two years old, comes around our counter, and he's making his way towards the oven. Well, I knew it was hot. And, and so I turned and saw him, and I yelled, no! And he jumped and looked at me and started to cry. Well, I, I think you would agree. That wasn't a point in our time where I should have tried to reason with him. Um, Noah, let me talk to you for a moment about scalded hands. I mean, I, it, you know, I had to get him away. And you know, God says, when you see something like that, if you can hear the Holy Spirit, he's saying, run. Run from that. Don't get close to it. And notice that if we're going to read a huge chunk of Scripture to get the context. But look at 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach and the stomach for food. But God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord. Notice God gave you this body, but not to do immoral things with it. Not to do immoral things. He said, this is God's body. And, and as you're a Christian, you need to buy in. You, you said yes to him. By the way, baptism pictures that the body now is completely his. He says, don't use it for things that, that, that would, in the end, be immoral. He says, don't do that. And it goes this, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Verse 14, now God has not only raised up the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Should I, I take what's holy and devoted to Jesus and allow it to touch sin? He says, no, God is wanting to be one with you. Why would you do that? Why would you do that with his very presence? And then it says, uh, may it never be, verse 16. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. And then verse 18, don't miss this. Flee immorality. Flee immorality. Every other sin a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Now, what is he saying? He's saying flee, run. You know, you need to be like Joseph. Joseph was standing there, and a woman comes on to him, and he just runs. He turns and takes off. 
And, and when you, you know, you don't live your life at the edge going, oh, you got to run away from those things that will hurt you. You get away as fast as you can. Uh, uh, if where you work, your place of profession, there's somebody there, and you find yourself uh, 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 being affectionately attracted to them, you know, I'm telling you, if you're married, you're going to have to make a decision not to flirt with that. Get away somehow. Uh, choose to put barriers up. Uh, transfer if you have to. Uh, if you can't, find ways to make sure you don't explore that in your mind, in your heart. Don't, don't enjoy it. You get away from it as fast as you can. When you sit at your computer and you find yourself tempted to go to those sites or, or maybe you don't even find yourself tempted what happens. You got one of those emails and you hit the button and it popped up and, and you're like, man, shut that thing off fast. And find ways to keep that from occurring. Uh, if your problem is materialism, don't go hang out at the mall. Just, you know, kill time. Right? And, and you know what? It, it, what it's, just don't do that. Don't get yourself involved in that. You know, don't be like the guy who, who decided, man, food was his issue. And, and he was just struggling with the whole idea of that. And, and one day he walks into the office and he's got three boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts. And, and one of them's empty. And a friend looked and said, I thought you weren't going to overeat. And he said, why? Well, I, I know. And, and, and he said, well, I think the Krispy Kreme is probably the last place you should have gone. He goes, but you know what I did? I, I prayed about it. And, and I drove by and I prayed, God, if you really want me to go inside, let there be a front parking place. <laughs> and he goes, there was one. He goes, yeah, after the seventh time circling, there was, you know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we got to run. We got to get away. I, I shared this before, but it fits. I, when I first started here uh, at Crossroads, I was... Uh, it was in March, two and a half years ago. I was walking along with my dog. I love my dog. He's a white lab, beautiful dog. Very, very uh, obedient. I just love this dog to death. And one of his favorite things to do is to pick up frogs. In our area, we got this kind of creek bed. So these frogs come up and Galahad runs and scoops them up in his mouth and wags his tail. And I say release and he lets the frogs and they hop on. He doesn't hurt them. <laughs> I, well, I think they probably don't agree. But anyway, uh, so he just, and so I let him do it. And so one night we're out and he's scooping up frogs and I'm going release and he's letting them down and, and they're hopping away and, and he's wagging his tail. He thinks he's the greatest dog ever. Well, then he runs a little ahead of me and he goes by this bush, head drops down. I'm waiting for him to come up with the frog. He comes up with a baby skunk in its mouth with its legs going and he's just wagging his tail and I'm like, ah, ah, ah. And I'm thinking in my mind, okay, Galahad, release. And he drops the skunk and I said, Galahad, come. And he ran right next to me. I got to tell you at that moment, I thought, yes, I'm glad you're so obedient. If he hadn't have been, he would not be my favorite dog for weeks. And uh, God says to you, get away, flee, let it go and run from it. And in the end, your life is better. Your life is better. And, and so we need to understand that. That's God's great desire for us. So how do we actualize holiness in our life and live that way? We run from those things that would do, do us in. Now here is where I'm going to give you the words. Number one, run. Number two, you've got to ask the right question. Now, let me have you grab this because this is so important. Ask the right question. The right question is not, is it sin? I have people like, well, if I do that, is it really a sin? If I do that, is it, that, that's not the question to ask. Uh, the right question isn't, how far can I go? Well, if I do, the, that's not the right question. Here's the three words that if you and I would lock them in our mind, and practice saying them with integrity and doing what they mean will change your life in a dramatic way. You ready for that? Here's the three words. Is it wise? Is it wise? Not is it sin. 
The question isn't that. The question for you and I, if we're going to live with God, is, is it wise? Uh, uh, If I buy this particular car and have this level of car payments, is that a sin? That's not the question. Is it wise to do that? And if you ask that every time you you were going to make a major purchase, I think a lot of us, I'm going to tell you, me, for sure, there's some purchases I wouldn't have made that now I look back and say, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. And and you you know, is it wise? Is it wise? Uh, uh, For instance, uh, um, how about this? Uh, Is it a sin for a man and a woman who are not married to live in the same home as long as they don't do anything physically, uh, uh, you know, between themselves? And and, and I get asked that a lot. But, But see, that's not the question. The question is, is it wise to do that? That changes it. Uh, you're a married woman and, and your friends want you to go to a club and dance and your husband's not going to be there. Is that a sin? Well, I don't know. That's not the question. The question is, is it wise to do it? Is it wise to go there? Is it wise? And it'll start changing things, you know. Is it wise to explore that relationship with somebody and enjoy it who's not a spouse? Is it wise, you know, for a young couple who are not married, you know, to... Uh, Find a lonely place and put on the notebook in a fire and cut, you know, is it wise? (laughs) No. Uh, And so, um, if you didn't know the answer to that one, it's no. Uh, And, 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 you know, see, that's the key we got to start asking, is it wise? And, and, And if we operate that way, it starts to change everything about us. And it's, it's going to keep our life better and solid and strong. You know, uh, in the, uh, history we hear about people who were searching for King Solomon's mind. I want to have you go to Ecclesiastes 12. Ecclesiastes, you're going to want to see this. King Solomon's minds were a place of incredible fortune, and supposedly if anybody were to ever discover them, the gold, the silver, all the precious jewels, you would be rich beyond your wildest dream. Somewhere out there is King Solomon's minds. But let me tell you something. Solomon said there's something more valuable than gold and silver, something more valuable than the most precious of stones. It's wisdom. And, and he delivered wisdom to us by the hand of God in the book of Proverbs and also in Ecclesiastes, which was his journal. And so here's the thing I want you to know. We're about to look at something way more valuable than the discovery of King Solomon's mind. The greatest treasure he could ever deliver to you and me is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, where he sums up all the greatest wisdom anybody could ever know. He's about to bring it all. He says, if I could only say one thing, if I found only one thing that matters in life, here's what it would be. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. The conclusion, he writes in his journal, is this. The conclusion when all has been heard is. Did you grab that? When everything you could possibly hear and know, all the science, all of the literature, all of the greatest wisdom that's out there, When all is heard, there's one conclusion that if anybody's wise, they're going to grab hold of. The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person. For God will bring to light every act of judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Now, I want you to grab that because one reason we want to be holy is because we love God and fear him. Uh, It Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this idea of fear is is an awe, a reverence, but also an attitude of, if I don't want to have to face God if I do that. While God is loving and God is caring, God is going to judge. And he says that God is going to bring every act into judgment. And, And you don't want to have to stand before God 
When he is judging every single thing we've ever done. And nothing, he says, will be hidden. And we need to understand that. And God's great desire is for you not to miss it. Moses was warning a group of people in Numbers 32, 23. He says, you need to know that your sin will find you out. I want to tell you one of the, the, again, I'm not trying to say I'm perfect. I have all these issues and problems. But the one reason I don't want to try to live a life that's hidden The one reason I think I'm sold out on transparency is because what good is it to try to hide things when I know God will show it? God is going to expose it. And I want to tell you that one thing that that I began to just cherish about my life is there aren't a lot of places I can go or do that that, that, that I'm not going to somehow get known. Now, uh, let me tell you where, and by the way, that's the most freeing thing ever. When I walk into church on Sunday, they hand me this mic and put it, I put it on. Do you realize this? Everything I say can be heard by four people. They never turn it off. I have no way to turn it off. When I walk around here and I'm talking to anybody, there's guys all over. All I got to do is hit a button. They can listen to every word I say. By the way, if they hit the wrong button, you can hear every word I say. <laughs> a friend of mine's a pastor, and uh, this, he was at a church, uh, and they were singing uh, uh, all hymns. And it was just, and I, if you love hymns, I'm not trying to say it, but he was driven and crazy. And he's standing there, and then they started singing a hymn called We're Marching to Zion. But they sang it so slow, and he thought, oh, this is killing me. He goes, they're not marching, they're crawling. So he starts singing, you're crawling to Zion. You're crawling, not knowing his mic was on and it was booming. <laughs> but you know what? It, when, I know some of you are going, I didn't know when I come up to talk. Yeah, I got to tell you, those guys could listen in. Uh, a few weeks ago, and it probably isn't really worth it, but I got a little angry about something. And uh, uh, something happened, and I probably shouldn't, but it really bugged me. And I go walking into the back room, and I'm about to kind of unload on Pam about what happened. And as I opened the door, it hit me. If I say anything, all these guys can hear. And I'm going to tell Pam what happened, but I better say it right. Now, I want to tell you, that does not bind me. That frees me. Because I'm not saying anything that these guys can't listen to. By the way, uh, uh, my emails. My emails are, are seen by my wife, by my assistant, and they can be seen by our executive pastor and his assistant and our computer tech guy. And, uh, uh, you might say, whoa, wait a minute, I didn't know I, I wrote that. And people, well, you better be careful what you write. And you know what, I need to be careful what I write. And, and so there isn't, I, uh, by the way, there's at least three people who can search my computer almost at any moment and see every place I've been. I, you know, here's my point. My life doesn't have a lot of, of areas to hide. And I like it. I like it that way. Now, now those guys, all these guys know I'm not perfect. They know I'm the real guy. They know when I stand here, I'm the same guy as when I walk away. And, and, and there's no use pretending it. Now, let me give you a parenthesis. Some of you are going, whoa, I don't know if I like that. I mean, I, you know, I, I want to be able to go to you and, 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 when, and for, you know, to share things. And this is why we tell you I'm a lousy counselor. You don't want to come to me for counseling anyway. We have other pastors who can be confidential with you. Just my position doesn't allow it. And, I, and so if that kind of bothers you, know that's one reason we have the other pastors. Now, I know there's some of the wives who are thinking, no, I, I think I want my husband to go with you. <laughs> I want to hear what he said. You know, and, uh, but, but, but here's where I want to go. This is most important. God sees it all. You haven't ever thought a thought he didn't hear or see. You've never had a motive You've done an action and other people go, oh, that was so good. But your motive was so selfish, God saw that. 
You've never said a word God didn't hear. You've never done an action he didn't see. The Bible says he's got his eye on you constantly. Not to catch you doing something wrong. But if it is wrong, he'll see it and know it. it it's not hidden. And then it says in the Bible that one day he's going to bring it all out. He's just going to bring every act to judgment. And it's all going to come out. And Moses says, don't think you can sin and not have it find you out. By the way, if you're a child of God here, let me tell you, the reason God does that is because he loves you. He doesn't want you hiding and thinking you're getting away with it. By the way, I've watched God do that over the years with people who thought they were going to get away with it. Uh, uh, pastors who were taking money from the church. Uh, one in particular was pilfering money from the church and, and thought he had it covered. And there was one particular book that could have exposed him. He had forgotten about it. Uh, it was sitting in, in a file drawer that no one would ever go to. And one day one lady comes in and she's just kind of absent-minded, opens the wrong drawer, reaches into the wrong spot, pulls it out. Before she's thinking, she drops it, opens it up to the only page that would expose him. Do you think that was an accident? No, 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 and, and he got arrested for it. Uh, uh, a man who I really respect was, got in trouble. He thought he had it so covered. And another couple who I know very well, the wife one day, her husband was away on business. She was doing her quiet time, and she's reading her Bible and praying, and, and, and all of a sudden she just jumped because... In her mind, she could see a woman's face that she had never seen before. But it wasn't just a thought. It was like a projection in her mind. And she sat back and thought, well, what was that? She went to read again, and it couldn't, it, it just, something was just causing her almost to feel sick. And she looked up at her wall, and, and she said that woman's face was on her wall. And her first thought was, this is not good. And she said, God, I pray in the name of Christ that you would drive this away. And it didn't go. And she said she sat looking at it. She'd never had this happen before or after, this vision. And she'd never seen this lady before. And she said, God, what am I supposed to do with this? God, and she's, she's free. And all of a sudden, the man who I told you, this pastor, his name starts going in her mind. And she thought, God, I don't know how to handle this. Three days later, she's at a conference for women, and she's sitting there. Two rows in front of her, a woman gets emotional, stands up, and turns. It's that woman. She runs out. This lady thinks, I've got to do it. So she slips out, too, walks in the bathroom. This lady's leaning over the sink and crying. And she looked at her and said, are you okay? And she said, I'll be okay. And, and, and she said, no, you won't, because you're having an affair with, and she named the guy. And the lady said, how did you know? And she said, it really is true. God told me. By the way, they had done everything to cover it up. They thought it wouldn't. And you know what God did? God said, you're not going to keep that hidden. And he brought it out. Now, let me tell you something. God loves you too much to let you get away with it. God will cause it to be exposed. And I know there might be a few of you here going, wait a minute. This, is this true? Well, let me tell you, it is true. And, and if you think, oh, I do get away with it, well, you're going to have to stand before God one day. And here's the thing you need to grab hold of. Your act will be judged. You will be judged. That act cannot be just wiped away. It has to be judged. That thought has to be judged. That words have to be judged. And, and you need to grab it. And so God says, knowing that, what should you do? You should allow him to judge it through the blood and the death of Jesus Christ and you not have to take it. That's what you need to do. And... Um, 
He died, we read this, he died in order that he might present you holy and blameless. And here's the point. When you become a Christian and you say yes to God and you say, I want this life with you, the blood of Jesus Christ somehow, and I don't know, nobody here can explain it, but we know it's true, cleanses you completely. We're told though your sins are as scarlet, they become white as snow. You might say, man, I have a lot of sins. Well, you know what? You can't commit so many sins, the blood of Christ can't wipe it clean. You might say, man, my sins are are bad. Well, I want to tell you something, that there's no sin you could commit more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. And the key is, is when you understand that he went to the cross and he loved you and he died for you, it ought to cause every one of us to say, I don't want to do things that did that to him, ever. I want to be committed. I want to be his. And, and God's great desires you would live that life with him. But he wants to totally cleanse you and free you. And your act will be judged, but it's judged on the cross, not in your life. If you do not go to the cross, then you will have to face God with it. And, and, and to be honest, you just don't want that. Also, you're going to miss out on the greatest life you could ever live. When you open yourself up to God's love and he sets you free, when you begin to live that holy life, what happens? Did you catch what I said? You begin to see God. You begin to experience him. And when you start living like that, it's the greatest life you could ever live. And and when you live that way, you start shining out and standing out because you're not like everybody else. You know, you're you're a husband who looks his wife in the eye and you don't have to say, I don't know how to tell you, but I've been with someone else. You never have to say that. Uh, uh, If you're a a teenage girl or or a single girl, you're not going to have to look at your mom and dad and say the words, I'm pregnant. Uh, By the way, catch this. If you live this way, you're not going to have to sit down with someone you're going to marry and say, I have a sexually transmitted disease. You don't have to say any of those things. And, and, and it's the freeing life you get to live. And God wants you to live it. Now, now, if you've already had some of those things occur in your life, let me tell you, God has promised that if you would love him and live your life according to his purpose, that he will take anything like that and somehow miraculously turn it for good. But you need to come to him. And you need to be his completely. So today, if you are not right now in a very intimate and real relationship with the Lord where you experience him and know him and he guides you and you know his presence, you know his his reality. If you're not in that relationship, how do you enter it? The Bible says you pray. You call on the name of the Lord. And and in a moment, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna stop in the middle and I'm gonna ask if there's anybody here who needs to say yes to God. And I'm gonna ask you right where you're sitting to whisper a prayer with me. Now, today, there might be some of you here, actually I know there is, who need to put some things aside. And I'm going to ask you to pray that too. Moses had to take the sandals off his feet to see and experience God. You may have to say, okay, God, I'm going to give something up. No more doing this. No more acting. I'm ready. I don't want that anyway. I don't like that part of me. And he'll set you free from it. There may be some of you here today who need to come back to God. Whenever, uh, if Noah had touched that stove when he wasn't supposed to, I, uh, I don't want him, I wouldn't want him in that moment to turn and run from me. I would want to get my hands on him as quick as I could. I'd want to see where he hurt. I want to, and you know what? God does that with you. He doesn't want you to run from him. He, he wants you close. And uh, today, if you're, you at one time were close to him and you've wandered away or you turned away or you, you know what? Come home and pray that prayer too. So let's go to God in prayer.
Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would move in this church family, in this room right now. I pray that you would help us be the church we should be and the community of faith we should be. And I pray that each one of us individually would see you, Lord, and experience you. That, Lord, we'd be so in tune to you, your voice could talk to us and move us and guide us and prepare us for things and reveal things. And that living with you would be as incredible as we always knew it should be. And I pray right now, Father, that your Holy Spirit would move in such a way that if there are people here who need to, to, to lay some things aside, take some things off, stop doing some things, that they would be set free. And I pray you'd start touching hearts and minds right now and they would, they would know what it is. If you know there are some things, I want to ask you to do this. Say to God, Lord, take them. Take them away. Take the desire, take the attitude, take the action. I don't want it. And Lord, when I get a chance, if it's something physical, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll cast it out. Father, most of all right now, I pray that if there's someone here who needs to either commit or recommit their life to you, I pray that they would. I pray right where they're sitting, your spirit would touch them in such a way they can't miss it, that this is their moment, this is their time that you would stir in their heart. That they would be ready, Lord, to say yes to you, either for the first time or to come back. They would want to pray this prayer with me. And, and as they do, they would sense you drawing them closer and closer to you. So God, we pray you'd call people today. I pray you'd call men to you, women to you, guys and girls to you. When asked that we keep praying, Right now, I'm going to lead that prayer. And okay, all of you that God's touching, over here too, praise God. All of you that God's touching, I want to have you right now just whisper this prayer with me. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurts, to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say, yes, I want this, and I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love, and fill me with your spirit, and help me be who you created me to be, and help me live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Wow, praise God for all of you who prayed that. Wow.